Starting in verse number 8. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Here we go. Starting verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Let's open in a word of prayer before we get started. Lord, we thank you for uh, another opportunity that we have to come to your house and to, uh, to hear your word being preached. Uh, everyone out here has needs tonight, and I pray that uh, uh, through the enabling of your Holy Spirit that, uh, I would be able to, uh, that you would be able to speak to each one of those needs, that even though the topic might, might not be uh, what, what someone's issue is, I pray that uh, you would come through in a mighty way. Use me. Uh, to deliver your word tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Now this passage, it's very possible that John is writing this as an old, an old-timer in the faith. He's been around a while, he's seen a lot of things, and it, it's very possible that he is writing this passage to a younger generation. Now, the readers that John was writing to, they were Christians, they were believers, they were already in established churches, really kind of like what we have here. They had pastors, they had leadership. They had a mission that they were on, but evidently, somewhere along the line, false teachers had gotten in there and had distorted some of the truth that had been given, uh, that, that, was, that had been given to them. And that's really interesting to me because you think about how long it had been after Christ, Christ's ministry had been on this earth. This is maybe 60 years, probably about the most, uh, after Christ had his ministry on this earth. And it's just amazing how the truth can get distorted so quickly. Uh, you wouldn't think that after that short amount of time that major doctrinal things would be getting changed. But the thing is, is that John was writing this from a first-person standpoint. We see in the first verse of the chapter, it says, uh, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon in our hands, have handled the word of life. He's saying, man, I was there. I saw it. I saw the things that Jesus did. I partook of the things that Jesus did. Wow, I touched Jesus with my own hand. Pretty amazing. And he says, now we're over here and you've gotten sidetracked on some things and I'm going to, uh, to set it straight. It's like, it's like if you were at an event or whatever, a big catastrophe or maybe at a wife house briefing or something, and then you go, and you go home, you turn on the TV, and you turn on CNN and start watching it, and it's not what happened at all. And you think, how in the world can that get destroyed? It's just a bunch of fake news that was going on. That's what it was. And so he's saying, look, I was there. He's writing this letter, and he said, I was there. I know 
what it's supposed to be. I know what the truth is. What you're hearing from all these people is fake. That's not the true gospel at all. That's not our mission. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. So um, he writes this passage, and it seems like in it, he is trying to correct some things, but he is not doing it in a mean sort of sense. You would think that he'd be writing this thing and be, he'd be talking about uh, how much of a dirtbag they are and that sort of thing about getting, getting off the, the fundamentals of the faith and that sort of thing. But he really wasn't doing it to be mean to them, to discourage them. It says in verse 4, it says, In these things write we unto you, what? That your joy may be full. That's pretty awesome. That your joy may be full. So that, hey, you can have fellowship with God. He's saying, hey, I'm writing you these things so that you can be happy. You can have uh, uh, the greatest life that is possible. I remember, back, I remember thinking back when I was a kid. I'm still a kid to most of you. But I remember, I remember thinking back to when I was a kid and I'd get in trouble by my parents, and especially my dad, and he would come and he would bring us in and you know, he'd tell us that, oh, man, you did this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. That's why I'm spanking you. And so then he'll just whip the tar out of me. And after it's all over, he, 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 he grabs me by the hand and he looks me in the eyes and he says, I love you. And I'm like, that's not what I want to hear. I don't want to hear that. I don't. I don't even want to see you right now. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking about. But literally, looking back on it now, right then it seemed, you know, really annoying. But looking back on it now, I see, wow, he really did love me. The reason he was correcting me was because he loved me and he wanted the best for me. He didn't want me to go on down the rest of my life making the same mistakes that I was making then. And I'm thankful that, uh, that he has done it. He probably should have done it some more. But anyways, I titled the message tonight. Maybe you see in the bulletin, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Because I think that's really the idea that John is trying to get across to these people. Hey, let's just be real. Let's just be straightforward. Now, people today, they have trouble with being honest. They have trouble with, it seems like when things don't even matter, they have the things that don't matter, they're still stretching the truth on them. Everybody loves to beat around the bush. I hate when people beat around the bush. I wish you'd just get right to the point, tell me what you're thinking, and that's it. You know, people do this. You got your cell phone, and you're talking with somebody. You know, you really don't want to continue this conversation very long. And so you say, oh, oh, hey, so-and-so, I'm sorry, uh, uh, but, oh, my battery's running low. You're at 80%, but it's running low, right? Okay, hey, if I pull that on you, you know, but anyways, you know, we, we make little excuses like that. Or sometimes I'll be late. To, I'll, I'm, I'm being late to something, and somebody texts, oh, man, where are you? And I'll say, oh, I'm on the way. And I really am just putting on my clothes in my house. I mean, we've all done that, I think, maybe a time or two. Or you're driving down the road, and they say, oh, where are you? Oh, oh, I'm, I'm driving by the church. And you're like three miles down in, you know, you're way down in Naples or something. And, uh, you know, people, they love, they just love to beat around a bush. There was one time, I'll tell you one more story. There was one time, and I was wrong for this. You ever get tests and you test from the Lord, you just totally fail? Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is absolutely terrible. Well, I was, when I was in college, I was hungry one night. And so like a poor college student, I didn't go to a fine dining restaurant. 
I went to Taco Bell to get a chalupa. That's all I wanted. I didn't want a test. All I wanted was some food. That's all I wanted. And so uh, I, I, I get, in, I get in, the, in the restaurant in Taco Bell, and there's a lot of people in there. But there's this one lady, and she looks rough. She looks like she is strung out on drugs. She's pregnant about eight months. And, I mean, she just looks like she may have been living on the street for a while. Just a real nasty, nasty, really a nasty-looking person. And I go in there. You know what you do? You just try not to make eye contact, right? That's what you try not to do. And so she comes up to me, and she says, hey, can I borrow your phone to call my boyfriend or whatever so he can come pick me up or this or that? And I did the whole Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I must have left it in the car. So she turns around and she starts asking the next guy. Remember, the restaurant's packed. She starts asking the next guy. And all of a sudden that time, the worst sound of my life I ever heard. Ring, 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 ring. Ring, 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 ring. It's ringing like crazy in my pot. And, you know, oh, I try to silence it. And I keep my head down. And you know what? I failed. I failed on that. I, I lied to that woman. I just completely did because I didn't want her using my phone. Who, you know, I don't know why. I just, it's crazy. And I should have just told her, no, I don't want you to use my phone. Or I should have just let her use it and been a nice Christian. Anyway, everybody beats around a bush at some time or another. But John here, he's saying, hey, I want you to be honest with yourself about your sin. He said you'll never, his idea was you'll never be able to grow as a Christian. And you're never going to be able to really have fellowship with God unless you be honest with yourself and be honest with your sin. And tonight, if you're really going to get anything from the message tonight, if you're going to get anything whatsoever, you've got to be honest with yourself and I've got to be honest with myself. And I've got to say, wow. This is what my sin really is. This is the effects that my sin has on us. If you do that and you're honest with yourself, wow, the Lord can come through and he can, he can work in your life greatly. But until you're honest with yourself, you will not grow as a Christian. Let's jump into our passage. Uh, uh, we'll read the first verse one more time. It says, if we say that we have no sin. Now, this verse, I think it recognizes uh, and it refers to the matter of recognizing what really can be classified as sin. Now, during this time, some uh, believe that the Nicolaitans maybe had, had, uh, had taught some false doctrine to these people. It's very possible. They maybe had taught that nothing was forbidden to the Christian underneath the gospel. Don't we hear a lot about that today? That nothing is forbidden unto the, un, under the gospel. Christians today, we go around and we love to use the phrase, oh, we're not under the law, we're under grace. And that's such a sad, sad, sad thing to say. And I think that's right where these people were at. They were doing wicked, wicked, wicked things. And he's saying, hey, that's not the way to do it. Hey, if you're walking in, if you're walking in sin, you're not walking with the Father. You go to the average church today, they have no standard of modesty. The average church. You go to the average church, you say the word purity, and everybody looks at your cross-eyed like they've never heard it before. That's the way it is. Uh, uh, they look like the world, they act like the world, they talk like the world, they cheat like the world, they get divorced like the world, they fornicate like the world. For all intensive purposes, literally, they are the world. 
And last time I checked, my Bible said, love not the world, neither things that are in the world. If any man love the love the Father, uh, if love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, lust the flesh, lust the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And this is the important part. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. You do the will of God, you abide forever. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, John, he gives clear parallels in this passage about light, darkness, good, evil, uh, right, wrong. Uh, in verse 6, it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. We lie and we do not the truth. Uh, Christians, normally today, we see three colors, okay? We see white, black. Anybody know what the other one is? Gray. We see three colors. But do you know God only sees two colors? White and black. White and black. He only sees right and wrong. That's it. There is no in-between area. But I see Christians that spend all their time not living in the black area, not living in the white area, but they like to hang out all in this gray area. They love to hang out in this gray area. Now, God's holy. He is absolutely holy. That doesn't mean that he is just simply not, not unholy. That's not what that means. It means that he is also positively righteous at the same time. He's not here in the middle on these things that are neutral. He's over here and he's positively right. Think about it this way. If I was to go into uh, Dr. Krabs' office and I was to tell him, you know what? I, I think I'm healthy. I don't have any sickness in me whatsoever. But you know what? I feel sluggish all the time. I don't have energy. He would say, well, that's absolutely, that's not healthy. Being healthy simply isn't the absence of being sick. It's being infused with energy. That's exactly what it is. And being holy is not hanging out in this gray area that we like to do all the time on the things that, 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 that seem to be on the fringe. It's being on the positively right side. That's where it's at. And you know what? The beautiful thing is the more we get to know God, the more we get in his word, the more the Holy Spirit shows to us, the more those gray areas seem to fade off the scene. And we, we start seeing black and white, right and wrong. That's where it's all at. Um, don't excuse your sin. That's the first, uh, the first point we're here today is don't excuse your sin. Don't make excuses. People often attempt to justify their sin. They love doing that. They love to justify. And hey, here, let's be honest. People love to justify their sin. Think about Joseph uh, and Potiphar's wife. It's a pretty common story. Think about how he was faced with this situation. He goes, he goes in and he's working. He's just trying to mind his own business. That's all he's doing. And you know what? Potiphar, Potiphar's wife got, has something for him. I don't know. And, and he, she tries to seduce him and all sorts of things, reveals herself to him, tries to grab him, and he takes off running. He ends up losing his job and going in prison, all because he did what was right. She falsely accused him. But, you know, many people today, they would do the sin, and they'd say, oh, well, you know what? It's not me. If she wouldn't have come on to me, then you know what? I wouldn't have done it. Oh, you know, if she wouldn't have revealed herself so much to me, uh, I wouldn't fall into that sin. So you know what? It's really not, oh, it's not really me. It's, 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 really, it's really her. They'd say, oh, well, you know what? If she wouldn't have grabbed a hold of me, I just, I couldn't get away. She had me by the coat. I couldn't get away. But, you know, that's not a good excuse. You could say, oh, and this is the, this is the great one here. You know what? 
if I knew, I knew that if she, if if she would have found out that I didn't, I didn't want to do that with her, that uh, that I would lose my job, and that I would uh, would go to prison. And you know what? God really wouldn't want me to lose my job and go to prison. I mean, people are crazy like that. That's the that's the type of things that people do when they try to justify their sin. That's the degree that they take it to. And many people make that excuse for, oh, you know what? I'm just going to work on Sundays. Oh, God wouldn't want me to not have money to pay my to pay my uh, to pay my rent. Oh, I'm not going to tithe because you know what? God doesn't want me uh, to not have enough money in the bank. He wants me to be able to go to, to to do whatever with my family. You know what? I just need that extra money. And people make excuses for their sin all the time. Um, don't excuse your sin. Pe- people often believe that their sin is unworthy of notice. People often believe that their sin is unworthy of notice. I, I, I love hearing and watching uh, cops. I like watching cops. How many of you like watching cops? I don't know. Me and my dad did that like every Saturday night when we were a kid. And it's good because, hey, in the, in the episodes there, they always catch the bad guy, which is good. And so you'll see these people who get stopped and, and, and you know, it might be for something small, you know, maybe for speeding or their blinker might be out or something. And anyways, the, the police officer goes and he, he goes and he ends up issuing them a ticket. They try to be all silver-tongued and try to talk their way out of it. And most of the time, people don't talk their way out of it. And as soon as he comes and he hands the person the ticket, what do they say? Aren't there more important criminals to be... Aren't there more important criminals to be stopping than me? I'm not a bad person. I don't break the law. Hey, this is just real small. Aren't you supposed to be getting the rapists and the burglars and this and that and those people? Aren't you supposed to be getting after those people? You know what? This really isn't that big a deal. And people do that with their sin all the time. Let's just be honest. We make excuses for our sin. We try to justify it. We try to make it seem like it's not really as big as it is. Um, you ever, uh, oh, oh, here we go. I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you this. Uh, in 1989, there was a, there was a Exxon, uh, oil, uh, carrier. Maybe you have heard this. You probably definitely have heard this. This was actually before I was born. I was born in 93. So this was before me. And, uh, just want to show you how young I am, old you are, that sort of thing. And so 1989, the, uh, the oil carrier there, it had just filled up. It had just filled up to the max, and it took off. And the, the captain that was driving it, they found out later he was intoxicated, and he ran the ship into a reef, and it ripped a big hole in the hole, and 11 million gallons of oil spilled out into uh, Prince Edward Sound. And it ruined, really, thousands of miles of coastline. And... Even today, they're still, they still see the effects of it, of that crude oil that was there. But did you know that every year, a bunch of do-it-yourselfer do uh, uh, car mechanic people, like just average people like you and me, we change our oil, and what do we do with the oil? We dump it in the backyard. There you go. Thank you, Mr. Knott. You dump it in the backyard. You put it in the culvert. You, you throw it down the storm drain. You don't want to drive all the way down to Advanced Automotive where you can dispose of it for free because that just takes too much time. And you just dump it in the ground. And that's and we look back and we say, oh, that, that freighter, 
that that's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. Exxon should be fined millions of dollars, billions of dollars for destroying that over there. But yet, it's an estimated a hundred. It's an estimated 193 million gallons annually is dumped in people's backyards and the drains and that sort of thing. That's pretty crazy. 11 million from that one tanker, 193 million gallons a year that people just dump in their yards. That's absolutely insane. But people say, oh, you know what? He's the one that's wrong. That big freighter, he's the one that, that is, 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 is really at fault. Oh, me, this is not a big deal. I'm just, just doing a little thing. People do that with their sin all the time. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we excuse our sin, we are deceiving yourself. Have you ever been deceived? Have you ever deceived yourself? I'm sorry. Have you ever deceived yourself? If you have kids, you probably have. If you have kids, you have probably deceived yourself. Parents often think that their kids, they're perfect. They think that they're the greatest thing in the world. They love to say things like, my kid would never lie. Really? Or my kid would never cheat. Uh, he was just looking over at the clock. Uh, they love to say things like, oh, he would never be disrespectful. And they like to point their fingers at the teachers and at the people that are in authority. And it's you. It's not my kid. Or like this, my parents. This is always like super embarrassing because my people, my parents would say this in public a lot of times. And uh, I played basketball during high school, and they would come up to me and say, "Oh, Chris," and they were dead. My dad was dead serious. He'd say, "Chris, now, now you're good enough. You could play in the NBA." And I think, and I think, and I think, Dad, stop saying that. It's not true. It's not true. But if we're honest with ourselves, if you've ever, if you have kids, you probably have done that and think that, oh, well, you know, my kid is just, is just the greatest thing. You say, oh, well, my kid just doesn't have a lot of friends uh, because he goes to a small school or he goes to a small church. No, that's because your kid is just weird. That's what that is. He is just weird. He's strange. He's not nice to other people. That's why your kid doesn't have friends. But for some reason, even if you try to tell even if you try to tell a person that and be honest with them, they don't want to hear it. And they are literally just deceiving themselves. And people do that with their sin all the time. Oh, my, no, absolutely not. Me, a sinner? Oh, me, I'm, I'm not a vile, I'm not a wicked person. I'm just an average run-of-the-mill person. I'm just like the next guy. I'm not out doing these, these bad, terrible things. But the Bible says, hey, if we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. A lot of us were, were blind to our own faults. Here's a quote. I'm not exactly sure who this quote is by, but it's very good. It says, uh, pride is blindness to our faults, sins, and failings. Most importantly, pride is blind to the existence of itself. Therefore, the more proud you are, the more humble you will feel. And the more humble you are, the more proud you will feel. That's because true humility is the opening of the eyes to our personal sin. And one of the first things a humble person becomes aware of is his or her pride. Isn't that so true? Absolutely. Don't deny, don't excuse your sin at all. If you want to be honest, don't excuse your sin. Secondly, don't conceal your sin. We're going to jump down to verse 10. Don't conceal it. 
Verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The word conceal simply means to hide. It means to keep from sight. It means to prevent from being seen. I would be surprised if we took a show of hands and asked how many men or even women in the auditorium tonight are concealed carrying their weapons. It'd probably be scary. We look at some of the old guys and we say, oh, how are you supposed to shoot straight? You know, you got the shaky hand. I don't know. But a lot of people, hey, a lot of people in here, they like to conceal their weapon. They hide it so that nobody can see it. They try to go on and really the whole idea of having a concealed carry is simply not letting other people know that you have it. Just acting like you're like everybody else. That's the way it is. And so uh, uh, many people, they do the same thing with their sin. They just try to conceal their sin. They don't want it to be public. They don't want it to be made known. Really, that's ultimately, that's pride. But they don't want it to be made known. They want to act like they are really just perfect and that it doesn't exist. Matthew 23, 27, it says, Woe, this is Jesus, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appeared beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Now this idea of concealing your sin seems like a very elementary thing. And it seems like a very, a very surface thing. But you know, there are many people that really struggle with trying to hide their sin, trying to act like it doesn't exist. A couple years ago at a different restaurant. Everything happens to me at restaurants, I guess. I don't know. Uh, at a place called Bojangles. Who's been to Bojangles? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's all right. It's like a chicken place, kind of like a KFC type of thing. And I was at Bojangles. And as a poor college student does, uh, he, he wants to use the Wi-Fi because uh, it's free there. So we go and we order a cup of water. And, you know, this, and a small fry. And we order a small fry. So that, uh, you know, we can stay and we can stay and use your Wi-Fi for a couple hours. And, and so one time, me and my buddy, we were there and we were on our computers working on some assignments. We were talking back and forth. And a guy, a booth or two away, he asked, he's just like, oh, do you guys go to college around there? Now, in Knoxville, Tennessee, where Crown College is, uh, about 10 minutes away from there is the University of Tennessee, the Tennessee Volunteers. And so we get asked a lot, you know, hey, do you go to college at UT? And obviously we said, no, we just go right down the road to Crown College of the Bible. And from that, we began to talk and about spiritual things, asked him, you know, if he was went to church anywhere, if he had spiritual beliefs, and sure, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, and yes, and yes. And then we asked him if there has ever been a time when he accepted Christ as his personal Savior. And he says, oh, no, no, I haven't. And so I began to go through the gospel with him, and we went to the first part. Before somebody can be saved, they got to know that they're lost, right? Yeah. And so we began to go through some of these things with him uh, and ask him simple questions. Oh, oh, uh, ha have you ever put anything above God? First commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Have you ever put anything above God? Oh, no. Yeah, no, God's number one. He's number one. We go through, oh, have you ever told a lie before? Oh, no. I have no, no. I'm thinking right there, this is going to be tough. Oh, no, I've never told a lie. No, he was dead serious. We say, oh, have you ever looked on a woman and lusted after her? He goes, no. He says, no. 
He said, when I was a little boy, I, I saw, and this is his words, I saw Marilyn Monroe on TV, and my mom said, boy, now don't you ever be looking at that. And I never did. So I never, and I, oh my. So we were getting nowhere fast, and he would not admit that he had ever done anything wrong in his life. He was simply trying to convince himself, sorry about saying, he was simply trying to convince himself that he had not sinned. He wasn't fooling me. He wasn't fooling anybody else that was there. The only person he was fooling was himself, and he was absolutely deceiving himself. People, sorry, I'm losing this time now. Thank you, Tyler. There we go. I think I got it now. I think I got it. Uh, people, they hate to admit that they're wrong. That's where that really comes down to. They hate to admit that they are wrong. Uh, you go to prison, uh, Mr. Ludwig, he goes to the uh, prison and preaches, and you know what? There's, there's not a guilty person in prison. They're all innocent, right? That's the way it is. They're all innocent. You go, and, and I, I love talking to people who get in car wrecks. They get in car wrecks, and you know, I've only met like two people that it was actually their fault. Everyone else says, no, I didn't cause the wreck. It wasn't me. Everybody says, no. I'm like, who in the world is causing all these accidents then? I have no idea because nobody's at fault. It's crazy. People hate admitting that they are wrong. So what's the, what's the result of this attitude that we have here? Well, it's in the end of the verse. We make him a liar. End of verse 10. We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. We make him a liar. You see, God's whole scheme of salvation is based on the fact that, hey, we need to be saved. If you say, oh, hey, I'm not a sinner, or I'm really not as bad of a person as, as I am, or as the Bible says, then, hey, from Genesis to Revelations, we can just throw it out the window because it's not true. You are literally, when we choose to deny our sin, we are simply calling God a liar. And his word is not in us. The third thing, confess your sin. If we're going to be honest, we must simply confess our sin. Why don't we do that? Why don't we just be honest with each other and confess it? Let's go back to verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The easiest way to put that and to sum that up is saying, hey, just man up. Hey, man up. When you do something wrong, just man up. I can't stand when people, when they get caught, they just cower and they don't just take the heat. Take the heat like you're supposed to. You're really only making it worse for yourself. Uh, I coach basketball. I coach the uh, little junior high kids, and it's always an experience. If you want to get a laugh, just come out to one of our practices one day, and uh, it'll be entertaining for you. And during the practice, we do different things. During the practice, we go, and, and we have a time that we shoot the basketball, but we also have a time that we run laps. And you know what? The boys, they hate running laps. They absolutely hate doing that. But, you know, it's, it's for a good purpose. It's for to get them in shape. It's so that when the game time comes that they're ready for it. And so I see these kids, and I don't, I don't make them run too hard. I'm not ridiculous. You know, I'll say, okay, give me four laps around the gym, something crazy like that, something small like that. And I'll say, give me four laps around. And there's just one, there's always like one kid that they're running around, and, and they do this. They run around. And we've got those big pillars that are outside the front of the gym out there, and they're running along. And then they get to one of those pillars and they stop like this because they know I'm on the other side over there and everybody's running around. They act like they're just going to blend in. And then they sit there and they huff and puff for about 10 seconds and they wait for another group. They're pretty slick. They wait for another group to come running by with two or three people 
and then they jump back in like they're running with those people. They've been doing it the whole time. And so I caught one, this one kid doing that one time. And I said, so-and-so, you owe me 10 extra laps. And so I put a little, little heavy on him because he hated running. And I said, man, you owe me 10 extra laps. And he goes, what? I didn't do anything. I didn't do nothing. I, I'm innocent. I'm in, I didn't do it. I, I ran. I didn't stop. I didn't stop because my rule is if I tell you to run, you don't walk. You don't stop. You just keep going. And so he knew that he was caught, but he didn't want to fess up to it. And so uh, many of you know we got cameras in different places in the property. And I said, dude, I said, I could, I could take my phone out and look up the camera right now and show you that you were, no, 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 I absolutely didn't. And I asked three or four other people, was he doing that? Did he stop? Was he hanging around back there? And they said, oh, yeah, and he still would not fess it up. And so I literally... He was, he was just literally lying to me, and I had to get to the point where I said, look, you're going to continue running until you come and you actually confess and tell me that what you did was wrong, simply saying, you know what, I was wrong. You know what, I lied to you. You know what, I didn't run. It seems like something so simple, but yet for the kid, it was such a big deal. But the deal was is I couldn't let him participate in whatever else we were doing, all the drills, all the fun things, the, the game that was coming up next week, I couldn't let him participate in those things until he came and he confessed to what he was doing was wrong. And in the Christian life, God cannot let us continue to be a part of what he is doing when we refuse to admit that, that, that what we did was sin, whether we excuse it, whether we deny it, whatever it might be, try to justify it, make it seem little. Hey, we cannot go on and continue to serve the Lord. He's not going to allow us to do that until we simply go to him and confess that what we did was wrong. You know what? The idea of reaping and sowing so remains true. That you reap what you sow. It's as simple as that. People look and you say, oh, you know what? God's not going to reach down and strike me with lightning. He's not going to do that. But you know, you don't think it's going to hurt your Christian life? You don't think that the sin that you're doing and that your unconfessed sin is not going to hurt your relationship with the Lord. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt you and hurt you when you try to uh, impact others. You see, when that kid refused, when that kid uh, stopped running, even I, if I would have never seen it, he still would have only been hurting himself because come game time, he would get in there and he'd be huffing and puffing. He wouldn't be able to keep up with the rest of them. And he, you know what? He wouldn't be the athlete that he was expected to be. And when we have unconfessed, confess sin in our life and we refuse to admit it, you know what? We're just like that. We're not up to par to where we should be. God can't use us like he should simply because we refuse to confess our sin. Um, sorry, let me get this. Um, I've met Christians that are willing, uh, that aren't willing to confess their sin, but I've also met Christians that uh, they're a little bit proud about their past life of sin. Have you ever been around... Anybody around uh, people like that? I grew up in a real southern church, real just redneck kind of people. And if you get around redneck Baptists, um, they you ever they they have these things. They have the they have these uh, good old Baptist uh, sin bragging competitions. Okay, that's what they like to do. I don't know why, because they're proud of it. And they get going. And one guy will he'll be saying, "Oh yeah, before I was saved, I went out and I used to drink every weekend." And then another guy will pop up and he'll and he'll say, "Oh yeah," and he'll start going on about, oh, yeah, yeah, I used to do this and party all the time, and I was a drug addict, 
And they're not saying it in humility. They're saying it and they're bragging about it. And it's really easy to really do that and almost be proud about the sin that we've been doing. But it's really, we should show remorse and repentance and say, you know what? Hey, that old life that I have is over. I don't need to really, honestly, I don't need to keep bringing that back up all the time. Sure, it's great for a testimony here and there. But you know what? We should never be proud about the sin. That's not what confession is all about. 90%, somewhere like that is what I looked up, 90% of prisoners do not serve their full sentence that has been given to them. Parole committees, they look for certain things, and a lot of them end up going on parole. They look for certain attributes in a, in a prisoner that comes, and they might let him off a little bit early, and they look for a few things. They look for humility. They look for remorse. They look for repentance. They look for the prisoner to come and say, you know what, I'm guilty. They look for the prisoner to say, you know what, I deserve to be in here. They say, you know what, the time that I've spent in here, it's taught me to learn not to act that way when I go back out into society. And you know what, most of the time, when a person comes and they're humble like that, a prisoner, the parole committee says, you know what, we're going to grant you parole. You have this stipulation and this stipulation, but they grant them the parole. And simply God is trying to do the same thing. When we sin, there is still punishment that comes, and there's still things. But, you know, a lot of times he shortens the sentence. He shortens the sentence for us a lot of times. Confession is the least that a man can do about his sin. Confession is the least that a man can do about his sin. Could we really ask for any easier terms than simply confession and repentance of sin? Could there be any easier terms? You see, he's not, you know, uh, God's not offering us, telling us that we have to, oh, we got to offer a sacrifice. He's not telling us that. He's not saying, oh, you know what? I want you guys to take a holy pilgrimage to a, to a city, a holy city somewhere. And you know what? When you do that, sure, you'll be right with me. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, oh, you know what? I want you to go inflict bodily harm on you. Or, oh, what, you know what? You've got to... You've got to be beaten or whipped until you can be forgiven. He doesn't say that. It's as simple as confession, repentance. That's as simple as it is. It doesn't get any better, better than that. All that is required is us to be really humble at the foot of the cross. That's really as simple as it is. Uh, as I close, I want to read the next two verses of this chapter, uh, 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. Uh, if you look at it there with me, it says, My little children... These things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, this is a beautiful part, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sin. And not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Tonight, why don't you be honest with yourself? Why don't you be honest about your sin? Why don't you stop making excuses for your sin? Stop trying to conceal the sin that we have so often, why don't we just simply confess it? You know what? Tonight, if you've got sin, you've got an advocate, Jesus Christ. He can forgive all your sin. If there's something between you and God tonight, why don't you get it settled? Don't leave here tonight without making things right with him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, the time that we've been able to look into your word. Each one of us struggle at times with being honest with ourselves and being honest with you. That's why this passage is written here. I pray that if anyone in here has sin, and me included, that we would uh, get it right today. Let's not, let's not put it on, put it off any longer. Let's not try to uh, uh, conceal it. Let's not try to make excuses for it. Let's simply humbly confess it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.
If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.